You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasta, your host, and along with Alex Diaz and everyone else here at Radio Maria Canada, thank you for joining us. We have a terrific interview teed up for you with Tony Kemp from the Oakland Athletics. Uh, but before we get to that, let's promote the Health Hub. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC in all locations. And please do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. We'd love for you to to subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all of your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada site, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. As most of you know, I am a very big uh, Toronto sports fan, Raptors, Leafs, Jays. Um, but I think my favorite sport would be baseball. I grew up playing softball. I coached and I just, I really love the game. And I'm fortunate enough to get down to Rogers Center and see the Jays play uh, fairly often during the season. And that's where Tony and I met. We were on opposite sides of the field, obviously. He was a ball player for the Oakland Athletics, and I was a, a Toronto Blue Jay sports fan. But, um, I quickly became a huge Tony Kemp fan. He chatted with those of us in earshot. He was pleasant, humble, and he entertained us with uh, his great sense of humor. Tony was drafted by the Houston Astros out of Vanderbilt University in 2013 and made his MLB debut in 2016 with the Houston Astros. He played in 17 games on the 2017 World Championship Astro team. He was then traded to the Chicago Cubs at the trading deadline in July of 2019. And after that season was traded to the Oakland Athletics in January of 2020, where he has played the last two seasons. Tony is the 2021 Oakland A's nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award. And this award is an award is named uh, after Hall of Famer Roberto Clemente to honor um, his legacy of humanitarian work. And it recognizes a player who represents the game through their extraordinary character, community work, and positive impact, both on and off the field. Uh, Really a great interview. I'd love for you to stay tuned with us and listen to Tony. Baseball is just a piece of, of the man who is Tony Kemp. He's a great humanitarian, a wonderful human being, and uh, do take the time and listen to this interview and really get to know a great person in Tony Kemp. Everybody, we will be back in a few minutes.
Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. As mentioned, today's show is being taped, so unfortunately, no opportunity for calling in, but I think you're going to enjoy this just on the listening end of, of our conversation. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. I, you know, I wish both of our teams are in it right now, but you know, it's didn't, yeah. didn't quite work out like that, but uh, no, thanks for having me. Well, you had an outstanding season. Is this your best season yet? Yeah, I think I would probably have to mark it down as, as a career year. Um, a lot of hard work in the off season, just really uh, honing in on my body and what to eat and uh, did a couple tests uh, called, this is this test called precision food works. And it's pretty much, they take like they take like eight to 10 vials of your blood and you send it into a lab and, you know, two weeks, two weeks go by and a guy calls you with your results. And pretty much he tells you what's good to eat before a game, what's bad to eat, what makes you sluggish, what's best for recovery. So, um, yeah. It's all it's, the science, it's, is it? Yeah. No fun during the, no fun during the season. Is that what it is? Yeah. 
No, I have a little fun. I mean, I burn so many calories anyway. It It's just, you know, I usually try to watch what I eat, but um, it, it was good for me to take that test. Yeah, it's it, precision nutrition is definitely becoming uh, a big thing. Um, I was talking to um, somebody who'll be on the show a little later on, and she's very she's a doctor and she does this. She works with professional athletes, and this is really something that she's honing in on for their their betterment. But beyond the physical part, Tony, um, first of all, what's it like to play in the big leagues? I mean, you're, yeah. you live in the dream as far as we're concerned, but I'm sure it's not all a dream. No, it's I mean. <sighs> I guess I'm a big believer in it is what you make it. And, um, you know, I just try to enjoy every moment. You know, I, I've tried to read as many books as I can. And I read this book called The Power of Now. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I have. And have you read it? Yep. Okay. So uh, I read that a couple of years ago and I feel like it just opened my eyes up to just like living presently as best as I can. And, you know, taking moments and, you know, when we, you know, in Toronto on deck or whatever, and just talking with people and. Well, that's where we you met. Know, it's those moments. Yeah. It's just those moments that, um, you know, make the big leagues what it is. Um, you know, I, I think the older I get, you know, I turned 30 at the end of this month. I just think the older I get, I'm just like, know how fortunate and blessed I am. And I think that people get to see that we're humans too. And, yeah. you know, it's not all just, you know, what you see on the field, but you know, there's, you know, we go through things too, and we still have to try to perform at the highest level. Well, we're seeing the finished product, right? We don't see, well, finished product may be not quite the right word. I'm sure it's a continual cultivation and readjusting, but we see the end product. We're not part of the family or friends that see the grind that you've gone through to get here. Was it a difficult road for you? Yeah, I mean, so I got drafted by the Astros in 2013. So this is my third team. So I've been traded twice. Um, but I think that when you're going through the minor leagues and, you know, you go from playing at Vanderbilt, then you go to the minor leagues and you're staying at Motel 8s and you're staying at these crappy motels with the roommate. And, you know, one of my first encounters with the minor leagues is my roommate got bed bugs in like one of the first rooms that we stayed in. So it was just like, it was one of those awakenings that was like, hey, like you're not, you know, you're not, because when you're at Vanderbilt's one of like, you know, better schools for baseball to go to here in Nashville. And you go from that prestigious program to going to the minor leagues and you're like, Oh no, I'm in for a rude awakening, but um, got drafted in 13 debuted in 16 in the big leagues. But um, I honestly feel like I just put my best foot forward and, you know, my wife's from Toronto and she was like, all right, you have this amount of time to make the big leagues because she, she went to Ryerson up there. So mm -hmm. she had, she had her job avenues kind of set up and, you know, it was a decision that we had to talk about, hey, okay, I, you know, there's a short window to play baseball when you're young. And, you know, she was like, all right, well, I'll put my career on hold. And, you know, now she's pregnant and uh, we're expecting our first in December. So, awesome. um, yeah, so it's, nope. uh, it, it, it is a grind to make it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I say it takes three things, luck, timing, and opportunity, because you could be playing well, and, you know, if you're a first round pick, yeah, you're probably gonna make the big leagues if you do decent. But, you know, if you're a lower round pick, you're going to have to dominate pretty much everywhere you are just to keep your name in the conversation that you belong in the big leagues. But, um, yeah, I feel like it was a, I feel like it was a grind, but I feel like I honestly just sharpened my mental capacity as much as I could. And, you know, you see there's people that are 
wait like there's obviously more people that were more physically talented than me I felt like but I feel like the game is 90% mental and I feel like your positive self-talk and you know your thoughts in your thoughts in what you say and how you talk to yourself are like one of your biggest components and I felt like I had the edge with that with most athletes that I was coming up with why why did you have the edge because that's a that's a tough one well you just see guys that you know, from all, you know, you see high school guys, you see college guys, you see guys that um, are on the brink of making the big leagues and still haven't made it. But I feel like you are a, I feel like I'm an observer first. So whenever I'm in the dugout or I'm in the locker room, I'm able to observe people and see, you know, how they go about their business or how they respond to adversity. And, you know, I feel like sometimes when you get to that pro ball step, for some guys, it's their first time failing ever because they've always been the best wherever they've been. And some people just flat out don't know how to handle that adversity. You know, it's a game of failure, right? So I feel like when I was getting out or when I was trying to go about my journey, I just, I wanted things not to, not to snowball and everything was never as big as it seemed. Like I wanted it to just be like, Hey, this it's small increments. And I feel like there was, I feel like I could just give, I wanted to give you examples, but I don't want to name names, but you know, there's a guy that he was a second, third round pick. One of the best guys in our organization never made it just because he had like breakdowns because he didn't know how to handle like adversity. He didn't know how to handle failure. He didn't know. And it's just like, you know, you want to have your guy when you draft a person or, you know, in your organization, you don't know what his mental capability is. Mm -hmm. You just see the physical stuff. So I think well, I mean, we stuff. had in our own on our own team, right? I think Teoscar Hernandez had uh, had a trip down. Guriel, we know all yeah. about Halliday. All those guys, they had to go down and figure it out. And it's, I you know, I can't speak for it. I am nowhere near anywhere near professionalism, but uh, the mental space of it almost has to be as challenging as a physical space. I would say. Yeah, and I think. You know, being able to be mentally strong and mentally tough is it's it's exhausting. Like, obviously, I get to be home now and I'm like, just don't think about anything, you know, because during the season, it's all positive self-talk or it's every alarm clock has like just the process on it. And it just really reminds me of just like, you know, it's one day at a time. It's not, you know, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And it's not um, how you start the game and how you end the game because you know you could start off over two over three and then you could still come up with a game winning RBI chance and you know if you're if you're mad about the first couple at bats you're not going to do well in that last moment so um, yeah you just see so many guys that you know you start to talk about mental health and you start to talk about mental preparation and uh, there's this app that actually that I might be collaborating with uh, called Restoic I'll have to send it to you but. Pretty much just about like how getting through adversity, your positive self-talk. And I think just my number one thing is positive self-talk. I think that I think that your words are the most powerful things that you have, because, you know, if you tell yourself that, you know, you're a bad player, or, you know, you're nervous, that the ball's going to come, you know, those things are going to manifest. So I always just try to manifest good things. I always just talk, try to talk about good things. And, you know, sometimes my wife talks about she's like, all right, I'm glad it's the offseason because in the season, I'm just always She's like, some, you're too positive. You're too positive. And I said, is that a thing? So, <laughs> There's no such uh, thing. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it, it's funny. Well, when, when you came on the on-deck circle, I mean, 99% of, of the ballplayers won't engage. 
And I understand why, you know, I understand why, especially when you were in um, an opponent's field, but you could see the way you talked and the way that you um, engaged with us, the humility, the confidence and the, the human side of it. And I have to think that comes from being grounded. I really do. And living in the now is a great concept, but it has to be one of the hardest things that I try and cultivate. And mm -hmm. I imagine that uh, is the same for a lot of people, but, and that's why I'm, I'm glad you're here because I think you go so far beyond the athlete. And I think it's so important. We have uh, something here. I don't know if it's, if it's in the States or not, when you're talking about these apps for our uh, frontline workers called boots on the ground, and it's just becoming so important in all aspects of, of people's careers, whether they're professional athlete with, with your type of stress or frontline workers, this mental health piece is huge. And I know that it's, uh, you know, with your philanthropies, uh, with your involvement in the community, you're a big purveyor of this stuff. And I know that Michelle is very big um, in it with you. How did you meet Michelle? Was it on the on deck circle as well? <laughs> First of all, talking on the on deck circle to give you any um, background is uh, one, obviously I want to engage in like, fan. I'm just a people person period, but, um, it calms me down. It's, it's one of those really? things that's a relaxer. You know, I go on deck and I always give myself time to lock into the picture. I know what he has. Like, I feel like when you're going on the on deck circle, you should already be, the, you should already be prepared of what your plan is before you even go on the on deck circle to what you're going to do in the box. So when I'm pretty much talking to fans on deck, it's just to calm me down. Um, so that's pretty much why I was talking to you guys, but uh, no, I have seen players get ripped. I have seen players get ripped and it's awful. I, I I'm embarrassed. Yeah, um, and awful. I know that's why a lot of them won't engage. It's all how you approach it. If someone's ripping me, I usually don't say anything until I prove them. And then next time I come on the deck, I'll say, Hey, that's what you get. But um, <laughs> no, my wife, we met, we've known each other since middle school. Um, we've known each other for man, since, I was 12. She was 13. In Toronto, so you met? We met. Um, no. So she grew up in Franklin, Tennessee, which is about 20 minutes south of oh, here. Oh, okay. Yeah. But she has fam she's a Canadian citizen because she was born um, outside of Mississauga. Mm -hmm. So uh, she has family up there and she has a cat. Her family has a cabin on Gold Lake up there. Oh, really? The yeah. And so... Um, yeah, so I've been up there multiple times. My friends have a cabin up there. Um, Gold Lake? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places. Oh, North Toronto, uh, north of Ontario is, is awesome, yeah. northern Ontario. Minden ice cream. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I've been up there a couple times. I mean, I've been more than a handful, but uh, yeah. And then, so she went to school up in Ryerson, but we started doing long distance when I was at Vanderbilt and oh. she was at Ryerson. And, you know, the first time, I went up outside of the country was I was a freshman. I was a freshman in college. And I was like, if we make the college world series, I'll come see you. And she was like, yeah, right. <laughs> and so uh, we weren't dating or anything. We were just kind of like loosely being friends and uh, we made the world series. And I said, all right. She was like, well, you need a passport. And I said, oh gosh. So um, me and my dad went down to the post office, got a passport, ended up uh, going up there and, you know, the rest is history. I, rest is history. I think we started dating probably a couple months after that. And then, you know, and a baby on the way, baby on the way. How was it being on the road? Is it tough? Oh man. Yeah. 
it's a it's a different routine uh being on the road is you know it's interesting because fans are like oh yeah they're just in that place they they never see the travel they never see you know that's why on my instagram i try to post like traveling like yes we actually have to get on the plane because some people don't connect it too and even me like even when i'm watching like sports i'm like oh yeah they're in new york or they're in chicago and it's like well these people actually have to fly to these places and you know what it does to your body it's just like the older you get you just understand um you know flying is it's tough on the body and uh you know especially around you're traveling and you know your wife is not traveling that's why she tries to come on most on most trips but uh, for the most part, it's a different routine because everything's pushed back to seven o'clock game. First bus is probably one thirty or one p.m. So we're at the field pretty much all day. You're at the field all day, so it's a, it's a full time job. You're there all day, and then yeah. And what do you do in the off season? Oh, off season is so I'm like I am an extrovert. I feel like, but I feel like I you're an introvert. Is that what you said? No, I, I said I'm an extrovert. Oh but yeah, okay. I, I feel like. <laughs> My wife and I, we always say that we're the most extroverted, introverted people we've ever met. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I love, I love obviously talk, like doing stuff like this, talking, but when I'm at my house, like and hanging out and it's, those are the best times. Those are like the recharge of the batteries. And um, I usually give my body a, a month off. So I'll probably start working out November 8th. I think that's a Monday. Yeah. Probably a month from now. Uh, we have two weddings in Mexico. Uh, I'm a groomsman in both of them. So oh, nice. my buddy's from college. Uh, they actually, we had a destination wedding in Jamaica and they were like, how was the destination wedding? I'm like, it's the way to go for sure. Mm-hmm. So my daughter just got engaged. We're talking about all those little aspects of, of what she oh, wants man. to do. Save a lot more money doing a destination wedding. Plus, you know, once you figure out, you're like, oh, I'm pretty much throwing a party for all these people. And, you know, I feel like weddings are way overpriced anyway, but, um, yeah, so I'll start working out November 8th. Uh, baby comes end of December, which would be unreal. It'd be a huge change, which I'm mm-hmm. so excited to see this. It's almost like as an athlete, I feel like it's going to be just like another challenge. And like, I'm up for that, you know. Do you so, know if it's a boy or girl yet? No, we're waiting. That's nice. Yeah. Old That's school awesome. way. You know, all these gender reveals. I'm like, why? No, you're not jumping on a balloon or popping that or no. I, oh, I like you, that too. You should just be happy that it's a healthy baby and you know, come out. It's, it is what it is. I feel like it's the last surprises that you have in life. Oh, yeah. You know, there'll be I mean? more, there'll be more. I, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, Believe me, there'll be more. Yeah. So then baby in December and then I'll start hitting and throwing, uh, January like fifth or sixth. And then man, I mean, spring training's coming up and you, we usually leave like February 20th to go. And then first games are like February 28th in spring training do you get to go home much are you pretty much away once february starts yeah once february starts i don't come back to my house hopefully i make the all-star team but um all-star break which is in july and then so in the past let's see how many months ago was march february ever since yeah ever since february i've been in this house two other okay. seven months ago i just did yeah. my math so okay in seven months in seven months i've only been here twice uh it's tough yeah it's tough so that's so that's why you understand when i come home i'm like you don't yeah. want to talk to anyone yeah well that's why i appreciate the interview no no no, no. This, 
I'm in my, I can talk to you in my house. See, this is good. That is good. And I'm talking to you in my house. It's all good. Listen, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. And uh, I want to talk about your philanthropic work because it's really quite awesome. So we'll be back in a minute, everybody. I have 
You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are very privileged to have Tony Kemp from the Oakland A's on our team, on our team, on our podcast. So I'm very focused. Um, Tony, you've you've been nominated for the Roberto Clemente Award. Uh, some people may, may not know what that is, so maybe you could you could tell us. Um, philanthropy is very big for you. Your faith is very big for you. Uh, play for him is something that you talk about a lot. All of these things I really want to bring out this second half because I really think it it shows so much more of you than the athlete, and it really gives us a deeper dive into what you are all about. So first, let's talk about uh, your nomination. Uh, again, congratulations. Why do you support what you support? Tell us what you're supporting. Yeah, so the Roberto Clemente Award, this is my second consecutive nomination. Uh, I got nominated last year as well. And I feel like even getting nominated is a, is a win period. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly. Uh, but it, it, a lot of it was the plus one effect is which the initiative that was started actually in this, this seat that I'm sitting in right now. Uh, when we had the pandemic uh, in 2020 and the whole George Floyd murder, all that stuff was going on. Um, you know, I just sent out, I just sent out something on Instagram and said, Hey, I'm, you know, I, I was, I was not in a good place. I was like, Hey, if you, anybody wants to talk, like I'm here to talk about what's going on. And um, I just felt like at the time, like, man, we were just like a lot of racial stuff was going on and especially growing up in the South. And I just felt like uh, we needed to have an open conversation. And, you know, I was talking with my uncle and we were talking about, having a positive conversation with other people. And um, he said, yeah, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like a plus one effect. And I feel like kind of like that light bulb kind of went off in my head at that moment. Um, If you can kind of visualize that and like a pay it forward. I was like the plus one effect, pay it forward. And have you ever seen that movie pay it forward? I have. Oh my gosh. I, it's crazy. I saw, I saw that movie when I was like 10 and it like changed me. I don't even know. I don't even know. It's unreal movie. So we still use it today. You know, it wasn't la- that long ago. I was in line at, um, it was our Tim Hortons. I don't know if you Tim Hortons. Love and Tim Hortons. the Can man in front of me paid for my, uh, for my coffee. And it, we, we, it was, it's a pay it forward. The, the lady said he did, he did a pay it forward. It's it still goes on. It's wonderful. It, and, and it should. And honestly, and it's it awesome. Little things like that make such a difference. We were talking about the little things, right? It made my day. I have hope. I have hope for humanity. I do. How? You can't give up on that. You better not. And so um, with the plus one effect, I just had open, honest conversations with people on social media and me and my, my wife was helping me too. And she, you know, we were going through these people saying, you know, I don't like people kneeling for the anthem. I don't like this. And, you know, we're actually, it's this, um, she, I think for my birthday, she's going to frame the New York times article. They sent me the actual paper copy. Um, But I remember it was actually when, when, when the New York times called me, I was like, okay, this is actually a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. And pretty much it was just having open and honest conversations with people about race and, you know, my experiences, your experiences and not getting upset with somebody else. You know, you, I feel like you pretty much were just 
talking with someone, you have to explain it in a way that, hey, they're a kindergartner and they don't know anything about this. And, you know, go into it with no judgments. That's kind of what I did. And, um, you know, it's still going on the day. Every day for BP, I would wear my plus one effect shirt. And, you know, I kind of just rolled with it. And uh, then obviously it got me the Roberto Clemente nomination because of all the stuff that was going on with it. The Roberto Clemente award is positive contributions, um, you know, obviously on and off the field. And um, I guess it's, it's, it's a number of different things, but mm-hmm. it's hard to encapsulate what it all means. I just know that to me, it's one of the best awards I've ever received. So um, yeah, to get it for a second straight year is definitely an honor. Now the plus one effect, you also have t-shirts, don't you, that um, are raising <laughs> yep. money. And yep. now who do you speak to? Is it people from all races, all walks of life? Are you dealing with just one race? Literally literally anybody. Um, Let me just read you this article because it's right here. It's probably easy to do that. So pretty much in this article, it was pretty much just like the the guy took screenshots of like a DM. Mm -hmm. And so pretty much these guys, I was just like, hey, on Twitter, I was like, hey, if you want to have a conversation, like DM me. And all these, I probably got like 350 DMs right off the jump. And the angry uh, were they, what were yeah, they, so what guy, were you dealing with? You know, this guy, I, you know, June 5th, 2020, I said, you know, Hey Frank, he said, Hey Tony, I said, what's your question? He said, I don't believe in ever kneeling slash sitting during our national anthem as a white man. I think I'm looked at crazy for that stance. I'm hundred percent black lives matter and to end systemic racism. My question is how do I stand in my belief in never kneeling during the anthem and supporting my friends? So I was just like, you know, Frank, I hear you, good question. I said, do you feel while kneeling during the anthem is a slap in the face to soldiers or why do you feel that way? He said, I don't believe it's a slap in the face to soldiers. It's just the way I was raised. I served in the army and my father did as well. I truly believe in the rights to protest and will stand to protect them. I said, yeah, I completely understand. I said the peaceful protest was about per- police brutality and social injustices that African Americans and Black people has faced in the United States. It didn't have to do anything with the army. Mm-hmm. So it was just like conversations like that, and you know, I feel like it held some different weight coming from a like a major league baseball player because people, I don't know, look up to athletes as like, oh my gosh, like the celebrity type, and so I feel like going into it just talking with my wife she's like yeah you have to go into it in a way to where you're not going to get upset you're just going to say hey this is how it is and you know and I was even telling people like hey you're probably you know once you do these things you're probably going to lose friends because not everyone is going to be on board with you know how you feel and I said you know that's perfectly fine but um yeah it caught fire and it just it's still going on today and I still get dms today and uh, yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much how I went. Do you feel that it's an ominous responsibility um, that you have because you are famous, because you are a professional athlete? Is it something that you hold and cherish, or is it something that you fear? Like, do you do you think it's important for people in your position to use that platform, or I mean, avoid it? No, I mean it. You're only a, you're not a professional athlete forever. You don't have this platform forever. I mean, yes, you always have a voice, but I feel like your voice is even more heightened when you have when you're on TV every day mm-hmm. and people see you every day. 
Um, but I, I honestly don't feel like it's to me, it doesn't feel like a job or it doesn't feel like a duty. It just honestly feels natural to help because it's just how it should be. Like people should know what is really going on in someone else's shoes. Like, I think that's the biggest thing is people aren't taking themselves out of their shoes and saying, Oh, Hey, this is how this person feels. And I'm like, yeah, this is, it's not, I don't want to say it's not that hard, but you know, well, you're the voice of reason yeah. around the storm. You and know? I'm not saying like, I'm sitting here like this perfect angel. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not perfect by any means, but you know, I feel like in these situations, like I can at least voice my opinion and I can voice like how a black person feels growing up in the South playing a predominantly white sport, you know? So I have experiences too, but I'm not out here just like blabbing. If you want to know, like you can ask questions. It's not, I'm an open book. And I always tell people that too. Like, I feel like you get the most out of people when you're just honest. And I was just honest with people and I, this is how I said, and um, you know, I feel like it, it was good. Having all those dialogues about race were good. It needed to happen. I think so. I hope they don't quiet down. Um, I hope that there is always going to be continual dialogue. We need to move forward. We need to move forward. Any other initiatives that are in the off? You talked about an app. I know you do the was it players planting trees, those things. Um, yeah. What else I, is going what, on? You're naming all these things. And I, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually involved in a lot. Um, so <laughs> hence the nomination. Yeah. One Tree Planet. I got hooked up through Players of the Planet. So Players of the Planet is all about, um, you know, recycle. My wife's a big recycler. We always recycle. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll take on recycling. So Players for the Planet is pretty much just taking care of our, our the earth and uh, doing little things around the clubhouse that you can help out. And uh, getting Chris Dickerson is one of the co-founders and he was like, hey, I think it'd be really cool if you, we did this initiative with One Tree Planet every time you know, you can set if I did stolen bases and extra base hits. So like doubles, triples, home runs, obviously. And um, every time I do that, I donate a hundred dollars and there gets a hundred trees get planted. So I think all in all, I donated like, I think it was like 3,800 bucks this year. So it was like, yeah, it was like, over I think you lead all players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to, um, you know, I feel like it was fun. I mean, I, we care about the environment and I care, you know, the planting of the fruit trees in India was a cool initiative because, mm-hmm. you know, not only you're, you know, you're giving food and, nutri- you know, it's, it's just a good thing. You're giving food to that community and um, player play for him is obviously with my faith and uh, Scott Shemita is a great dude. He can't, they flew from California with the film crew out here to film some stuff with my wife and I and talk about my faith. And it was, uh, it was awesome. I feel like. What is play for him? So play for him is pretty much it's like Derek Carr, the quarterback for the Raiders. He's uh, one of the guys in it, too. Uh, pretty much just like athletes talking about their faith, saying that, you know, we're pretty much we're playing the sport that we love for God. And um, I think Jake Fraley's on it, too, with the manners. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And they came and they did like a little video and we talked about where my faith came from, my favorite Bible verses. And they wrote up some cards. And, yeah, it's, it's a cool company. Is it, has your faith been a mainstay? I mean, it's, it's easy to have faith when the ship is sailing, right? Um, has your faith been there? Has, has it been a necessary part of you going through, you know, even struggles outside of baseball? 
Oh yeah. I, I would say I'm definitely a God fearing man. Um, I think, uh, you know, when your, your faith comes down to, obviously it's not a 10, you can't touch it. Right. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's something that is within you. And, um, you know, I feel like, you know, when things are going good, like how you said, you know, you're not necessarily praying as much, but you know, once something, one thing goes bad, what do you do? Your first thing you do is you get, you, you start praying and it's, you know, I, I try not to be that person, but uh, yeah, my faith, it started when I was, I think third or fourth grade is when my grandfather passed away and my mom, and I think I was like, how do I, and she was, I think she was explaining pretty much death to me. And I was like, you know, how do I see, how do I see Paul Paul again? She was like, well, you know, and he was a big Christian too. And she said, well, you know, you, you have this, you have faith and, you know, you can give your life up to Christ and, you know, he died for your sins and pretty much explained it, obviously how the 10 year old would, would understand it. And that was the first time I understood that, you know, the next time I could see him would be heaven. And I was like, well, I want to, I want to do whatever I need to do to see him again. And uh, that's kind of where my faith started. I feel like when it was 10 and, um, you know, growing up in the church, my mom was a big churchgoer. She was, you know, we grew up Baptist and uh, yeah, it's, it's always been something that I never push upon people because, you know, really like politics, money, religion, like mm-hmm. those are the three things that I'm just like, if you want to talk to me and have an open conversation, cool, but I'm not going to bring that conversation up. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, if you want to ask me about my faith, I'll tell you um, because it's easier for me to tell you how I feel in the faith rather than how you should feel. And and that's what yeah. makes you who you are. That's what makes you the well-rounded person you are. It's not just about the physical. You've got the mental. You've got the spiritual. And I imagine it's something that you work on on a daily basis, at least one aspect of that, to get you yeah. to where you're, you are now. And yeah. where do you see yourself? You know, your family started. You've mentioned that baseball is it's a short career. Do you have any plans are you setting in motion? Are you laying the foundation? Announcing? I think you'd be a great announcer. Um, any ideas what you're doing after baseball at all? Or you approach that you're living in the now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you when you're living in the now, you have some breaks where you think about the future, right? Um, yeah, it's a bit of both, right? You live in the now, but you plan. I mean, I think, I think you have to be a bit of a planner and think about the future outside of the now. But, um, you know, I think when I'm, I turned 30 on Halloween... So I'd probably say if I could play in the big leagues for another five years, get to 10 years, that would be a dream. So uh, next year, next year, I need like a couple more days and I'll be over five years, which is Mm -hmm. crazy. Um, And, you know, I'll see what my wife wants to do. I think, you know, you know, that's what that kind of what was the agreement to um, her giving up her career for my career at the time is. You know, because she talks about she wants to go back to law school and she wants to do. And I said, I think it's a thing to where, you know, you have to be selfish. And I was like, all right. She was like, this is your career and I'm going to follow you right now. But even how ambitious she is, um, she was like, I just don't want to be I just don't want to follow you and not do anything. So she picked up real estate and she has sold like over 12 to 15 houses in the past two years. So she's a go-getter and me and my buddy, we even bought an Airbnb here three years ago. Um, and she was the, she was the real estate agent on it. She actually found it off market. So, uh, she's a go-getter. So 
I'm on, on my answer is I'm pr- gonna have to talk to my wife when I'm done playing and see what I like she that answer. And if she says, you know, uh, you know, you need to stay in baseball or you need to do this. And she pretty much is the brains behind the operation. All of the stuff that goes on with the community service and Roberto Clemente and everything is pretty much her. Like, I don't even put in my own tickets anymore to the games. It's literally, she's my travel secretary. So, um, We'll see. It, we're going to play it by ear. That's great. And uh, you're going to stay in Oakland. That's the <laughs> that's the plan. You know, we'll Toronto see. may be needing a second baseman. No, <laughs> Hopefully not. Not after Mark Simeon's career. Oh, he isn't uh, he's, a great, he's a great dude. He's going to be expensive. But yeah. um, no, I think, man, I'm just, they're going to have to rip that jersey off me to, to get me off the field. Um, it, baseball is such a there's just that challenge every day. There's a new challenge. There's a new picture. There's new defensive metrics. There's new offensive stances. So um, how hard is it to get back in the batter's box once you've been hit by a pitch? Yeah. So let's (laughs) talk about that. Um, There was a day game there. Was it, did did I get hit by the pitch? No, you didn't get hit. Um, Oh, it was a night before. Yeah. That's what, Oh, oh, I hit the home run that night. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) But that's when Marcus hit his walk up. Okay, so the next yeah. day, I just got a massage yesterday for an hour and a half. And on the back of my hamstring, there's still this, like, it, there has to be a bone bruise, maybe. Mm. Maybe just deeply. But anyway, it was an O2 pitch. And Jose Barrios was trying to throw me a fastball inside. He missed, and it hit the back of my leg. And it still hurts. And we're watching at home going, well, that's a good place to get hit. Oh, yeah. it was just <laughs> brutal. Uh, no, but I think, uh, you know, it, it, I, it's different. I mean, I've never been hit in the face or anything. Um, thank God. But, you know, that might be a little different stepping in the box after you get hit like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't be afraid to get hit. You know, it's it, it's part of the game. Well, I guess you get used to it. It's not just the first time when you're stepping in a major league. I guess you're used to getting hit all the way up. Tony, thank you so much for being with us. Absolute pleasure. You're a wonderful yeah. human, and um, I just hope we've given everybody a good insight into you. And there's so much more to you than just the the on on the field man. And I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Oh, I appreciate it. This won't this won't be the last time we we cross paths. Excellent, excellent. And you know what? If we don't cross paths before December, good luck. I wish yeah. you all the best with the new baby. Thank and, you. Uh, and keep messing me on Instagram so I, I can, because sometimes that stuff gets lost if I don't keep up on top of it. Yeah, sure I will. Know. Okay, so I, I will. Can. And next time you're in Toronto, we'll have dinner. All right. Let's All do right. It. So, let's Tony, do it. again, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. And everybody will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.